Hi, this is Shane Ray. Happy New Year to you. Welcome to the all-new Central Indiana Today. It's now going to be called Duke Energy Presents Central Indiana Today. My guest to kick off the 2019 year is going to be from the Brownsburg Reserves Police Department. They're going to be talking about what it takes to kind of become... I guess you could say, a reserve police officer. Also, we're going to have some folks, uh, actually some kids, I guess you could say kids to me, because uh, I'm an old man, as you know, from the Brownsburg Robotics Team, Team 3176, Purple Precision, as a matter of fact, is what they're called. We're also going to be revisiting some interviews we did around Christmas time with the Indiana Wine People, as well as um, the American Dairy Association of Indiana. Promises to be a good show. First one for 2019. First one as we partner with Duke Energy. Stay right where you are. Duke Energy presents Central Indiana Today on WYRZ. Welcome to Central Indiana Today. Of course, my name is Shane Ray. I am your host, and there's not a blasted thing you can do about it, (laughs) but we are glad you're here to join us anyway. Welcome to 2019. This is uh, with our new sponsor, Duke Energy. We so appreciate them coming on board. And the first guest of 2019 will be Rob Van. Now, he's a return guest. He's been with us before uh, to talk about some, uh, some things he's done with the Brownsburg Reserve police uh, division let me see if i make sure i've got that right we'll start off with him how's rob i'm doing great thanks shane thanks for being here we appreciate that did i get the did i get that right you're a corporal with uh, the brownsburg reserve division you have police it. okay want to make sure i got that right now right across the table from you for the folks at uh, at home listening is kim She's known affectionately as Kim K, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and I correct. like that. Tell us your last name. Uh, my last name is Kirichenko. Okay. I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't blame you one bit. <laughs> All right. And of course, uh, you are sergeant with the Brownsburg uh, Reserve Division with the police department, right? I am. Okay. Thanks to both of you for being here. And I'll just go ahead and start off by saying thanks for your service. Oh, thank you. And, and there's something a little bit different when we say the police department. Both of you are volunteer, Correct. That is correct. Yep, we are both reserve officers. Okay, well, well, I don't, uh, Rob or, or Kim, either one, I'll let you guys take it and explain exactly what does that mean when you tell that to someone. Well, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, I've, I've heard the phrase before, extreme volunteerism, but I think really the way I'd like to explain it is the reserve division is made up of uh, a group of folks who are passionate about giving back to their community. So these are a group of folks who volunteer their time to provide Uh, excess or required police presence uh, at various community events. Uh, They do independent patrol. And basically, the mission of the Reserve Division is to provide that to the town, uh, saving a significant amount of tax dollars and also giving back to their community. Now, you have been with the division how long? Seven years now. I thought so, because, uh, I mean, I I knew you'd been, you you didn't start yesterday because of the fact that you have been here before. You've talked about some of the things uh, that 
that you've done as far as fundraisers. Uh, what was it, the walk? Yes, uh, uh, the Brownsburg Police Department Reserve Division 505K. So yeah. uh, that is uh, really independent of the police department, but it is the collective of the reserves who go out, do some fundraising, and use those funds generated to give back to the community in a variety of ways. Uh, that includes uh, backpacks for kids. It includes various things to support our police department as well. Okay. Now, as I said, right across from you is Kim K. Now, uh, Kim, tell us, how long have you been uh, with the division? I am going on my ninth year. Ninth year? Yes. Okay. Now, explain to us uh, what made you decide to start doing this. I was a nurse before I became a police officer. I'm actually a full-time uh, police officer at the schools, oh. uh, but I remain a part of the reserve division as the sergeant um, who co-leads the division with uh, Corporal Van here. Um, I had always wanted to be a police officer and thought that, you know what, I should probably, instead of wanting to, to do it, right. maybe see if I could. Yeah. Um, so I went to, into the reserve academy, which at that time was a nine, uh, ten-month academy every Tuesday, Thursday, and every other Saturday. It was a significant time commitment. Uh, my kids were little at the time, so that put a lot of a lot more on my husband, sure. um, who fully supported me. But uh, once um, completed the academy, it was fantastic. It, we started FTO training, and and I was fortunate enough that I liked it so much that uh, I got hired on full time by another agency. But still, love to be able to give back to my community um, by remaining a reserve officer with the division. Yeah. Now you're here to talk about recruitment. Yes. Uh, tell us, uh, tell us about that. So our recruitment, uh, we're hoping to add a few officers to our division. Uh, we are wanting to uh, train them, um, get them acclimated to the community and to Brownsburg. But we're willing to train the right people to to join our division um, and be able to to have them give back to their community in the same way that we have. Now, who is a good candidate for this? I mean, when you say when you're talking with someone, Mike, what makes you say, you know what, they would be good for this? I think somebody who's dedicated to their community, dedicated to the people, um, uh, just general right versus wrong, the mm -hmm. safety um, and well-being of, of their community, uh, somebody who has integrity, somebody who is willing to, to, to put forth that extra effort to, to really give back to the town that they, that they live in. Now, how do you guys go about uh, finding recruits for, for the Reserve Division? Besides radio interviews, <laughs> we uh, we've done a number of recruiting events. Um, you know, typically, I would say about every three to five years, mm -hmm. we need to go out and look and see who might be willing to join the team. I'd like to go back to one of the things that Kim mentioned sure. before. She talked about the fact that she's an officer with Brownsburg Community Schools. Mm -hmm. And I think that really points to the mix of folks that we have that are so passionate about giving back to their community. Within the Reserve Division, we have had actual full-time police officers, teachers, businessmen, you name it. It's really a cross-section of folks. But the one common thread, as Kim mentioned, is folks who want to give back to their community and really make a difference in people's lives. Absolutely. Now, when it comes to, like, a question might be, what can I expect if I volunteer for this position? And I'll, uh, without revealing a whole lot, I've seen Rob, uh, you, Rob. Uh, you've you've been... seen me in many, many, many times, and I think you need to slow down okay. when you drive, sir. <laughs> it has been, no, I'm not uh, revealing, well, uh, I'm, I don't think I'm revealing any big secrets when I say I've seen you involved in uh, a police matter late at night. Uh, you have, I'm sure, all hours. You've had to be, you've been called out for something, and uh, this is just part of it, right? Yeah, exactly. I think um, 
one of the things we wanted to make sure we talked about was the fact that we are having an informational meeting on Thursday, January 17th at 7 p.m. Uh, in that meeting, we're gonna go over all the requirements, all the training expectations, uh, what's required once you become a reserve officer. So we'll be holding that at the Brownsburg Police Department Training Facility. That's over at 75 Whittington Drive. Uh, and as I'm fond of telling folks, if you can't find that, this is probably not the position for you. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Now, uh, is there a particular, uh, let's go back to Kim now, is there a particular moment or thing that made you decide, um, of course you said you'd always wanted to be a police officer, you went into nursing. I did. But mm -hmm. uh, what, I, I guess, that what is there, was there a particular situation where you said, uh, you threw caution to the wind, so to speak, and said, this is, this is for me? I knew that from a young age that I wanted to be a police officer. My dad was a police officer in Northwest Indiana. I grew up um, going to training with him. I can remember him bringing his fingerprint dusting kit home and <laughs> getting in trouble because I was playing with that as a little kid. Um, as cliche as it sounds, I would watch episodes of Cops and wonder, you know what? I bet I could, I bet I could do that. Um, I knew that I had uh, the ability to de-escalate situations and, and, and use my, my, my personality and words to kind of hopefully get people to, to pay attention and, and stop before they make a situation even worse. Um, and I that's really the basis that I, all I had. And I thought, you know what, I, rather than continuing to to wonder if I could do this, it's, it's probably time I see if I can. No, I'm sorry. When you were when you were watching these shows, were you the type that were sitting there saying, here's what he should say exactly. next? Exactly. <laughs> oh, it's all, yeah, armchair quarterbacking cops episodes. Exactly. Yeah. I'd, like, I'd like to point out that Sergeant K still does that now. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> okay. And of course, Rob, uh, I'm not, uh, and I may have asked you this before, but I can't remember uh, what made you decide to get into this. Uh, a little bit of the same story that Kim mentioned, although there's really not a lot of public service history in my family, I would definitely target or label myself as one of those kids who always wanted to be a police officer. And I think as I grew up and, and, and matured, one of the things that hit me was how much of an impact these folks can make. Mm -hmm. And you really have the opportunity to do that in this position. Um, it's really always been something that I've wanted to do. And now that I'm in a position where I can do that and give my time back to the community, it is probably one of the best things I've ever done. Let's talk about physical uh, endurance, uh, that kind of stuff. There's always going to be, and I'll just tell you flat out, I would be one of them. I would say, you know what? I am just not in shape for this. I would want to do it, or I'm not smart enough, or uh, I don't have fill in the blank. And really, that's not always going to be the case, right? I mean, folks can come in and get their questions answered, and it may, it may turn out that uh, there is a place for them, right? Absolutely. I mean, we do have a minimum standard. We have a minimum physical um, standard that they must meet before they can actually continue on with that process, um, and that is... Um, Indiana Law Enforcement Academy standards. So there is a physical fitness assessment. Um, but once that's passed and a written test is passed, uh, then that would then turn into um, an interview process and then possibly a conditional offer. There are other steps that, that uh, people would have to go through as the further on they made it in that process. But um, ultimately, I mean, if you're interested, if anyone has ever wanted to know what it would take to, to become a, a Brownsburg Police Reserve Officer, I'd love for them to to come to this uh, this informational meeting. Uh, the one thing that I that I do pride our division on is 
our uniforms are no different than the full-time guys. Mm-hmm. If if you have a reserve officer that shows up uh, to an- for a call for help, we are 100% capable, uh, as much so with our training and experience that, that our department invests in and provides us. Um, we, we are no different than any full-time officer. Our uniforms are exactly the same. Our abilities are exactly the same. Yeah, I, I think Kim makes a great point in that the reserve officers, and really the expectation is, is they operate and take the exact same calls that the full-time officers take. Mm -hmm. And so as you talk about the informational meeting again that's on January 17th we'll go through some of those expectations but we'll also talk about the training that's provided as well once you actually get past those application expectations the training is pretty intensive and it is a time commitment Mm -hmm. so when you have the expectation that a reserve officer is going to do everything that a full-time officer can do they will go through the academy that will talk about crash investigation and criminal law and traffic law emergency vehicle vehicle operations, all of these things have to be done and trained to an expectation such that that person can function as a full-time officer. Yeah. Now, uh, just like you said, I'm looking at you. You're in full uniform right now. I've seen Rob out uh, in full uniform several times and uh, know exactly what you're talking about. If folks are thinking, oh, well, it probably costs me money to go to this just to answer your question. I mean, just to answer questions, but that's not going to be the case, right? No, it is absolutely 100% an investment of your time. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, there is a uh, an expectation that once your training is complete, you can probably expect to have at a minimum 20 to 24 hours a month that you'll need to put towards this position. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, that's a minimum. But from a financial standpoint, one of the things that we're very fortunate with within the division is all the equipment is provided for. Okay. Now, uh, let's remind everyone, when is the date and where at? Thursday, January 17th at 7 p.m. And again, that's at the Brownsburg Police Department Training Facility at 75 Woodington Drive. All right. And if uh, someone says, I'm just not going to be able to make it that night, is there maybe, or but they still have questions, is there someone they can contact or someone they can talk to? Yeah, I think one of the places I would refer folks to is the Brownsburg Police Department Facebook page. There have been several posts on that page, and there is a thread, an active thread that Kim and I are watching and managing. Uh, we'll answer any intelligent questions that are posted on that thread uh, as we have the opportunity to respond to it. And if for some reason you feel like you're very interested and very motivated to give back to your community and there's just no way you can make that meeting, there is an email address on that thread you can reach out to and we'll make sure we reach out back to you. Okay, sounds good. And of course, men and women welcome. A certain age limit? Got to be 21 years of age. Okay. All right. And and I believe if uh, anyone missed that information, they could get in touch with me here at the radio station. If I don't know the answer, I'm going to get you in touch with Kim or Rob, and they'll be able to help you out one way or another, right? Absolutely. All right. Thanks for being our guest today. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor, Duke Energy. Duke Energy will present a Martin Luther King Day of Service on January 21st at the Hendricks County Senior Services on Sycamore Lane in Danville. They are partnering with the Just Be Kids Club to make blankets for homebound seniors. Duke Energy volunteers will also do other facility tasks for Hendricks County Senior Services in addition to the blankets. There will also be a short program to share the importance of Dr. King's message. It all starts at 8 a.m. and ends at 11.30 a.m. 
More information can be found by calling 317-838-1724. Welcome back to Duke Energy Presents Central Indiana Today. In the studio with me now, I have three new wonderful people. Right here in front of me uh, at the table, we have on my right, uh, right of your radio dial, Nicholas Bolden. And right across from him, we have Harrison McCarty. And then right beside him is Blythe Dickerson. How is everybody? Good, thank you. Everybody's good? Yep. Dandy, wonderful? All right, that's what I wanted to hear. Now, uh, you guys are here from the... Explain this to me. It's the robotics team of Brownsburg High School, right? But, I mean, you get a little more specific. Who wants to take that? Um, I can go ahead and take that. Okay, go for it. um, Yeah, so we're Team 3176, and what that really means is we were the 3,176 team to join the program, which is FRC. Um, So that's part of an organization called FIRST. It stands for the Inspiration Recognition Science Technology. Um, And so as part of the organization, our sort of mission is to spread the idea of STEM within the youth of our community. Um, So we do that through competing in these games um, that FRC gives us each year. And what FRC sort of stands for is FIRST Robotic Competition. So that's that sort of higher program of FIRST. And so each year, FIRST will give us a new game, and that actually comes out on January 5th. And so we have six weeks to build, um, design, and fabricate a robot that completes that game. Um, and then as part of that, we're also raising the funds ourselves. We're advertising our sort of team to the community. Um, we're getting involved with the community, talking to kids, getting more kids interested in STEM, um, and sort of doing all these events so that we can really, as a whole, um, get more of the youth of our community interested in STEM and involved with STEM. Okay. Well, let's. Uh, one of the ways to get them involved is to make them understand what it's all about. So yep. let's talk about how long have you been uh, involved in the, in the team? Um, so I've been on the, this is my fourth year on the team. Okay. Um, what made you decide uh, you wanted to do this? Um, I really got into it just based on my friends. I sort of joined it as a friend group, mm-hmm. and from there, it really took off just as a passion project. And it completely changes once you get into it. So I came into it wanting to be involved with the multimedia side, filming stuff, um, that whole spiel. Um, but after I got involved with the programming side, it really took off from there, and I really found a new interest, a new passion in the robotics field. All right, that was Harrison. Now, right next to you is Blythe. Blythe, how long have you been involved in the project? This will be my second year. Your second year. All right. And uh, what is it that attracted you? Well, I've always been one to play with Legos, and I just love the aspect of building. Mm -hmm. And it really attracted me to robotics is once I got involved, um, it was almost its own sub-community of everyone working together and integrating the science, technology, engineering, and math and uh, to complete these games. Now, you, you make a good point there, and I guess I'll direct this one over to Nicholas. Uh, first off, what was it that uh, drew you in? Well, I like to work with my hands, and I'm, I'm pretty good with numbers, and when I found out the team was mechanical but also had a business team, that brought in my interest, and I decided to join. Now, what Bly said, and you just kind of touched on there, Working with numbers, working with your hands. There's several different aspects of this that it. I mean, it taxes ta- taxes. Uh, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but uh, it, it, you have to use your body, you have to use your mind. It requires eyesight, precision. Is all that stuff correct? Right. So the team is broken up into multiple subdivisions. There's mechanical. There's multimedia. And there's business. 
and then there's programming and electrical. And all of those teams work together to, like Harrison said, design and fabricate a robot in those six weeks. Okay. Now, and that's interesting. You say that there's so many different aspects of it, not only on a person personally, but also it's broke up in divisions like uh, uh, just for the audience's sake listening right now, I first got wind of, of this team because I believe a couple of guys from the business side came around and was talking about uh, donations here to the radio station, right? Right, right. So uh, if if that's one side of it and they're out there working on the business side, they're working on getting donations, what do folks need to know about the donations? Because this isn't just something, uh, it's not just simple as a class. You guys uh, have projects that require funding, right? Right. Yeah. So uh, Team 3176 is a 501c3 non-for-profit organization, so all of your donations will be tax deductible. Okay. Harrison? Yep. And so, like you sort of said, um, all those funds are sort of... Um, do the activities we do are raised by our own team. We're not funded by the school in any way. Um, that's where it sort of comes into, we're like a sort of small business, almost, not so much as a club. Um, so we all have different different functioning parts of our business. Um, we have the finances part, the part that actually creates the finished final product, which is the robot, stuff like that. And that's all on the team to raise. Um, so yeah, that's one big aspect of the club because we do run on a budget of about twenty to $30,000 per year to wow. actually get that finished product as well as complete some of the events we do and actually um, attend the competitions because after that six-week build season, we go straight into competition season, um, which is just a bunch of um, high school teams competing head-to-head at different events around Indiana and even the world. Yeah. Now it's not just, uh, well, just like you said, it's not just right here locally. Yeah. It's it's a global thing. Right? Yeah, it's all around the world. I believe they have about 7,000 teams um, globally now. Now, Blythe, have you participated in some of the uh, global aspects of it? I mean, like, wh- what is the furthest away uh, person that you've ever talked to, I mean, about robotics? Well, um, specifically, I participated in RAGE, which is Raising Awareness for Girls in Engineering. Mm-hmm. It's a competition, and um, the... The idea of this competition is to really raise awareness for girls in engineering, so it's highlighting women on the robotics team. Mm -hmm. And when I competed in this event, there was women from Wisconsin, from Tennessee, from Illinois. It's not just an Indiana event. It's very much so incorporating teams from all over. I'd like to add on that. Sure. In the year, in the season, in the 2016-2017 season, Team 3176 won the state championship. Mm. And when you win a state championship, you go to the world competition. And at that point, you compete with teams from other states and from other countries. Wow. Yeah. And sort of a cool aspect going off of that, one thing that FIRST really tries to emphasize is a sort of cooperation aspect, which is a word they sort of made up to emphasize their ideas, where it's we're competing um, in terms of our robot potential, um, but at the same time, we're also working together to sort of grow um, our community as a whole. Um, so that's one thing that's really cool about robotics is, yes, we're competing, but at the same time, all these teams around the world are working together. Like, I remember at Worlds, um, we were having some issues with the robot, and a couple kids from Canada even walked over and started helping us out, sort of fixing some aspects of the robot. So okay. um, there's a bunch of different um, aspects like that. That's cool. Uh, where do you see this helping you once you get out of school? Well, I personally plan to major in engineering in college. Mm. So working with the robot hands-on, learning engineering techniques is really helpful for me. Sure. What about you, Blythe? So going back to the core of 3176, we're really emphasizing STEM. And I uh, am inspiring uh, to become a biomedical engineer. 
And so I can already see how the background knowledge that this team has given me has applied to that. Uh, I myself um, built my own 3D printer and that's gonna help with either prosthetics or more mm -hmm. uh, applications in the science field. Sure, all right, Harrison. Um, I think just in general, there's so many different skills you get out of just doing robotics. I mean, um, yes, I've primarily focused a lot on programming over the past four years, but just being on the team, you gain so many more skills like communication and working with the team um, because you're expected to sort of work as a whole and as part of the group to get that finished product. Um, and it's also just time management, organization, all those skills sort of came out of robotics um, just because you're a w single team working together for a single goal. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, what you have coming up in uh, the near future. Uh, folks are, uh, that you would like to get the public involved in. Um, yeah, so actually this weekend, this Saturday, we have a kickoff event, and that's when FIRST releases that game. Um, that's sort of a event where we invite all the friends and families and anybody else who's interested um, to the West Middle School Cafeteria. I don't know if it'll air by then, uh, but that's when the game releases. And then um, we have that, those six weeks of build season where we're building a robot, and then we go to competition season, which will release dates for those. Um, but those are usually events that are open to the public, free admission. Anybody can pop in, and it's a really cool atmosphere. They're usually playing music, robots going head-to-head. It's not much better than that. Um, and then we're looking at May 11th. We're hopefully going to have a first night, which will be a night where we publicly display our robot as well as some West Middle Schoolers. So we just started a West program um, at West Middle School in Brownsburg um, where the kids do a very similar project to what we're doing. We give them a game um, and a time frame to complete a robot that completes that game. Um, and then on May 11th, hopefully they'll have their own little mini competition in Brownsburg, as well as just be an opportunity for um, people in the community to see what FIRST is about and sort of um, get another view or look into how we operate as a team. Okay. Now, if folks want to keep up on what's going on, any projects, any, uh, any uh, events that you're putting on or that you're traveling to, how can they do that? Is there a website? Do they, is there social media places they can go? Well, we have a website, team3176.com. Mm -hmm. You can follow us on Instagram at team3176 and on Twitter at first team 3176 I think it just might be team just just team 3176 on Twitter okay all right and of course uh, you're always looking for funding you're always looking for donations and uh, just looking for interest in general right yeah and if anybody's ever interested in that they can contact us on the website reach out to us um, we have contact information there like through emails and numbers um, but we're always looking for any opportunity to get involved in the community, whether that's giving a shop tour to somebody who's interested or um, maybe some sort of sponsorship relationship or even going out to a facility and taking a tour of the shop. Um, but there's also a lot more than financial benefits. Sometimes companies offer in-kind sponsorships. So Rourke Welding, they do welding for our team. That helps a lot. Hmm. Um, those sort of offers help a lot with um, continuing the progress of the team. Sure. All right. Now, of course, if anyone listening missed that information or they were didn't figure out how or what they were supposed to do, they can give me a call here at the radio station, 317-852-1610. If I don't know the answer, I'm going to get you in touch with one of these three, and they'll help you out as soon as possible, right? Yep. All right. Did we cover everything? I think so. I believe we did. All right. Thanks for being our guest today. No problem. Thank you so Thank much. You. A lot of bright young students there. Definitely give them your attention. That's 
That's uh, wild stuff, that robotics. Um, we're going to play some clips now from, uh, I guess you could say more like excerpts, from some interviews we did right around the holidays, Christmas time. And the first one is going to be Katie Barnett. She's going to be talking about the wine industry here in Indiana. All right, as promised, I have Katie Barnett. Did I say that right, Katie Barnett? Yes. All right. She is the Marketing Extension Specialist for Purdue Wine and Grape Team. Now, did I get that part right? Yes, correct. Imagine that, two in a row. That never (laughs) happens. All right. You know what? Tell us a little bit about uh, what you do there. Absolutely. So I'm housed here at Purdue University, um, and my main goal is to really help the Indiana wineries and vineyards improve marketing, um, talk about demographics, new events, uh, new branding, uh, wine labels, all that kind of stuff. Um, And I'm also the director for the Vintage Indiana Wine Festival that happens June 1st of 2019 there in downtown Indianapolis. Ah, well, that's pretty cool. You know what? Uh, Of course... I think when people think of wine here in the U.S., for the most part, traditionally, they always say they talk about California wines or something like that. But Indiana is really uh, making headway in that category, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And one thing that makes Indiana so different is that we're very much an agriculture state. And so we have a lot of those resources to make really great fruit wine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can go to your favorite Indiana winery and find a strawberry or a rhubarb or a blueberry wine that's a little bit sweeter than a traditional wine. But it's just more unique because that's a lot of that fruit is locally grown and locally sourced. Now, do you think um, Indiana has been making that headway just in the last few years? Or has this been uh, something that's uh, just kind of like the best kept secret in America? So the, the Purdue Wine Grape Team was founded in 1991. So there's four of us that work to kind of propel the Indiana wine grape industry. So with that, we not only work with vineyard um, producers to make a better grape and to plant better or more grapes, but we also work with winemakers to kind of improve winemaking skills or in you know incorporate different styles. And so I would really say since that, um, you know, time of founding the, the wine grape team in 1991 until present, we've made a lot of really, really great headway and great wines in the state of Indiana. Yeah. We also have the Indian International Wine Competition, which is traditionally in Bay. So a lot of our Indiana wineries participate in that to kind of understand where they are in the winemaking process and to ultimately win um, gold medals to kind of showcase their wines. That's really cool. And you're just there for everybody in Indiana, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's perfect for the holidays. And, of course, one thing that uh, folks may not keep in mind when they're trying to find a gift for that someone, and maybe that's uh, like in my case, I'll be traveling out of state, uh, a great great idea is take take an Indiana wine with you when you go, right? Absolutely. And Indiana has 18 varieties of grapes that grow really, really well throughout the state. Uh, so you can find, you know, those grapes produce um, Indiana's wine grapes, so the beloved Traminette. You can also find some dry wines from the Norton or Chamberson, as well as our sweet wines, too. So Indiana really does have a wine for kind of every kind of wine drinker. Yeah, it's it, there's if, if, if you like wine, you just can't go wrong with an Indiana wine. 
Absolutely. All right, Katie. Uh, we want to remind everyone once again, if they want more information about Indiana's wineries, uh, any of the programs, um, the events going on, the tastings, all that kind of stuff, what is it? What's the website they need to go to? IndianaWines.org. Okay, sounds good. Katie, thanks for talking with us. Yes, thank you. We're going to close the show with Michelle Plummer. She is with the American Dairy Association of Indiana. We talked to her, talked with her, I should say, right before Christmas time. And uh, she gave us some ideas for some uh, unique recipes that might not just work for the holidays of Christmas time and New Year's, but maybe throughout the rest of the year. As promised, on the phone with me, I have Michelle Plummer with the American Dairy Association of Indiana. You know, we've talked to Jenny before in the past, and she said, you know who you really ought to talk to? That's Michelle. She is the one who does the real cooking around here. So, how is Michelle? I am wonderful. I am very excited about the holidays. This is one of the best times of year to cook, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, you're yeah. You're preaching to the choir here um, because I love to cook, and I love Indiana dairy. That is, uh, I guess you could call it a genuine weakness, but it's a good weakness to have. I agree. There's nothing better than cooking with real butter and cream and that great nutritious milk that we can work into everything. Exactly. And cheese. Don't forget cheese. I uh, oh, that, that, Cheese is a given. Every that, meal. We can find <laughs> some way to put cheese in, can't we? Exactly. I, that's my opinion. Well, let's talk a little bit about that. First off, uh, do you have some uh, favorite recipes for the holidays? Uh, let's start with Christmas. Well, that's really hard because it's hard to narrow down a favorite recipe, but probably if I was going to choose one favorite recipe is scalloped potatoes. Yeah. My mom made scalloped potatoes in huge pans and lots of cheese, lots of onions, lots of great... Um, she used russets, but now I use Yukon Gold. But this past year, um, I actually added some sweet potatoes to that, and it was a nice color, but also a really good flavor. You had um, the cheddar cheese, and I added some Swiss and a little bit of Parmesan. I know it's not traditional, but <laughs> got it in there, and it was delicious. Well, all right. Now, you're adding the, you're adding the sweet potatoes to the... I, sh- I shingle my potatoes, so uh-huh. after I slice them, I alternate it um, Yukon Gold with sweet potatoes and some onions, and then I made uh, a little bit of warm milk and butter, of course. That's a combination. And then I sprinkled lots of cheese over everything. And then I poured the warm milk on and then I put more cheese on top. So some people are nervous about making a cheese sauce. Mm-hmm. So I kind of split it up and it works perfectly because you don't have to really make a, um, a cheese sauce. There's enough starch in the potatoes to thicken everything. Mm-hmm. So you warm the butter and the milk and if you want to get really decadent, you could use half and half, Ooh. and um, then the butter, then add the cheese, then just put it all together and bake it covered. I usually cover it with saran wrap and foil and bake it for about an hour, about 350, and then I take that off and let it bake for about another half an hour, 45 minutes until it's 
brown and bubbly and golden delicious. Now, when you discover uh, if, and I, that's the only way I know how to say it, or when you find these new type of recipes or come up with them, you know, you said uh, how some people are kind of scared about some things. Uh, some people would probably be scared about uh, messing with a traditional dish like that, but you're not afraid at all. You say go in and experiment, right? I think it's important to try something new. I realize that Christmas is very much tradition, but I think Thanksgiving is really more tradition, Mm -hmm. and Christmas is more about entertaining and getting people together and enjoying everyone there. And if you have a little bit of a flop, let them eat something else that they're sure of. But I think if we don't push that envelope, we're always going to be eating the same meat and potatoes that we ate back, you know, when my parents cooked. And sure. we really want to make that more fun, more exciting. Yeah. Now, let's talk about desserts. That's got to be a big thing at holiday time. Oh, um, I'm making a um, strawberry bread pudding. Oh. Um, it's not the traditional, I know, with strawberries, but I think that strawberries are nice and red, and we're going to add a little bit of mint to it, and we're using eggnog as our base. Eggnog. So we're using a brioche bread filled with um, a cream cheese and egg mixture with sugar, and we're spreading that on, and then we'll put the tops to the brioche on, and then we're going to make a custard using eggnog and maybe a splash of um, bourbon. And if you don't wish that, then maybe a splash of coffee, because coffee and strawberries go very well together. Oh, yeah. And then um, some cinnamon and put the custard over the top of it and bake it. Wow. So it's a perfect dessert ending. It's a little heavy, a little light, depending on how you go with it. You can serve it with coffee. You can serve it with that great glass of milk for Santa if you're going to you know, maybe put out milk and cookies for Santa. Sure. I don't know. I think my Santa kind of likes um, bread pudding a little bit better than cookies. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to put a big glass of milk out with that um, warm bread pudding. That is a really great idea. Now, when you're uh, when you do these uh, for the um, the American Dairy Association of Indiana, do you uh, do you guys do videos? Is there a way folks can go read or follow what you do on these? We do a Facebook Live every month, Mm -hmm. and we have a channel that they can go to our um, website, winnersdrinkmilk.com. Excellent. And um, follow us and look at our um, past recipes. We've done um, a lot of grilled cheese. We've done a lot of different recipes through the years that people can um, look at and make and even kind of get ideas from two or three recipes and make a mashup, if mm-hmm. you will, yeah. of their own special tradition. All of We want all of the Hoosiers to be able to have milk and enjoy milk, not only Santa, but our kiddos, but then also those that are less fortunate. So, you know, you, you enter the contest with the um, pictures of Santa Drinks Milk at santadrinkmilk.com, but then if you'd want to donate to give milk this time of year, you would go to milklife.com backslash give. And that's for feeding America, feeding um, one glass at a time. Our Our dairy farmers are so honored to always have plenty and have a bounty. It's really nice this time of year for us to not only feed our families, but feed as many families as we can and always give back. Yeah, and of course, this is the time of year that people are really looking back and, and, uh, you know, trying to make sure that everyone has a great holiday, Christmas, uh, whatever holiday they celebrate this time of year, and that's a great way to do that. Yes. 
So, all right. Once again, let's remind everyone where they can get more information, not only about um, uh, all, all the this, this stuff going on this time of year, but all year long. Oh, join us at winnersdrinkmilk.com. And we've got all kinds of recipes. We've got more information about Santa drinks milk and Santa's cookies. And we have more information on recipes and all the different things that we do throughout the year. Okay. And, of course, the Facebook page, I have seen those videos, and uh, they are really great. You guys do a great job explaining all of these recipes. And like I said, like we said earlier, it's, uh, you may it may sound like, uh, oh, I couldn't do that. But once I watch you do that, I think even I could do that. And that's that's saying something. Try to make it simple so that everybody can do it and everyone can enjoy the holidays. It's too stressful otherwise. Cooking shouldn't be stressful. Cooking should just be a lot of good fun. Yeah. Where you can bring the family in and have everybody doing a little bit of something so that everybody can be honored at the table. There you go. All right, Michelle Plummer, she's with the American Dairy Association of Indiana. Michelle, thanks for talking with us. Thanks, Shane. You've been listening to Duke Energy Presents Central Indiana Today on WYRZ.